Welcome back to Roll Call. Welcome back. What have you been up to, man? What have I been up to? I just spent the weekend at the Latino International Film Festival, a documentary about my dad called Raul Julia. The World is Your Stage premiered there and uh, went really well. I concur. It's a very beautiful film. Well, thank you. Yeah, you were there. What am I saying? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's been going. What have you been up to, Adam? I'm just writing. I'm, uh, you know, producing your short. So I was doing that for a while. Very true. Trying to get another short going and then uh, feature, you know, doing the the usual writing, hanging around Beachwood. Sometimes I go to my pool. Laura Harrington. She's such a great actress. Great actress. Great person. We discovered in our interview with her. Um, She's been in very famous, very excellent movies such as What's Eating Gilbert Grape and Maximum Overdrive, personal favorite of mine from childhood. Oh, yeah. Uh, as well too. as Buckaroo Bonsai. Devil's Advocate. Yeah, so Laura talked about getting started in L.A. as an actress in the ni- early 1980s. and uh, Yeah, she had some cool stories about that. Especially her entrance into William Morris, which was <laughs> very funny. <laughs> yes, or any one of the big agencies at the time. We're not sure. What was your first gig out here? My first gig in L.A. was a Bank of America print commercial that I got because I didn't want it at all. And I walked into the room. I think they asked me. (laughs) It was like Halloween. And they said, what are you doing for Halloween? And I said, working. And uh, they all laughed and then showed them my hands. And then I got out of there and I got the gig. Yeah, that was like that was the first full job years ago I had. Then my first movie gig was working for you, sir, on The Maestro. You were good in that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was my first uh, first film gig. How about you? I feel like I'm supposed to plug The Maestro now. I'm just awkward at that. Well, should. See yeah, The Maestro. <laughs> my first gig was on, I was a set PA on the Arturo Sandoval story starring Andy Garcia. Uh, who I just saw at the premiere of your dad's film and reminded him and he had no memory of, of course. And I, I'm funny, I'm remembering this now. Um, they asked me before I showed up that day, they're like, can you arrange for food? Can you arrange for a, a caterer to bring food? And this is how much we need and this is how much we have to spend. So I did. And then the next morning when I show up to set, the caterer arrives and, and me not knowing anything, I'm you know, hanging out with him, getting him situated, getting the food set up. And then he's like, oh, uh, I think I'm supposed to stay. And I'm like, no, no one told me that. I think you got to go. And then, you know, the phone rings are like, why'd you fire the caterer? I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) That was like (laughs) my introduction to uh, uh, the film business. And it's all been downhill since, since then. Since firing the caterer. I felt so bad. No, he came back. You know, oh, good. I was like, I, like, you need to forgive me. <laughs> Did he forgive you? Yeah, he was a really sweet guy. Oh, I mean, and he, he forgave me in words. I don't know. In his heart, in his soul, if he ever forgave you. Yeah. <laughs> maybe if he has a chance to listen to this. Um, if you're out be there. Able to, yeah. He'll yeah. be able to forgive you. Do you remember mm-hmm. his name? I do not. I do not. <laughs> but he was lovely. Well, good. Hopefully he's still out there catering. But yeah, let's get to the interview. Let's talk to uh, Laura Harrington. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. right. Enjoy. 
So you grew up in New York? No, no. I grew up in, in Michigan. Oh, okay. Michigan. Yeah, right. I was like the youngest of five. And was I was born in Ann Arbor. Oh. And my father was a physics professor. I was meant for the stage because everybody else in my family had a, like a scientific mind. And then there was me. Mm. <laughs> I occupied. I was like making plays in the woods without ever having seen one. It was just. Yeah, it was the wow. same. The same kid. I would like, I was, you ever see Rushmore? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's what I was doing. I was doing like one man plays mm-hmm. uh, based on movies I'd seen recently. So I would come to drama class. They're like, what are you doing today, Cushman? I'm, today I will be doing Young Guns 2. <laughs> I will be playing every part. Right. That's what I would, I would do the, the playing every part thing too, if I ever saw something. And I didn't see that many movies out there. Yeah. And, but when I did, I memorized them and mm. I, I would do every part. And then I recruit yeah. my poor little next door neighbor to play opposite me and just instruct him. <laughs> Signs of a good writer as well. I think, you know, being able to play every part. Yeah. <laughs> And what, uh, what do you think drew you to that? Was it just a child's desire to, to be creative? Or? Yeah, no. I, I mean, in my family were a lot of writing women that were really great storytellers. So I think I was always just from the get-go. I could read when I was really little, like three. I was reading anything I could get my hands on. And I just, that was where I existed. I existed in fiction. When people talk about, you know, the power of dreams, you know, I ran around in my backyard dreaming of being in movies, right? At four, for no good reason, there's nothing about my life that pointed in that direction. And yet there you you create those, those childhood dreams are super important. It's a great life. The best life part of it is just all the encounters. You know, there's, it's just not just in performance, but literally every part of it from auditioning to to having to get to know your character and going off and doing that research to acting class which is where all great things happen yeah wouldn't you agree i mean I it's just that's definitely. that's where the deepest stuff goes on i always explain that the, when you're really at the height of when you're really acting in, in a great way it's when you just wake up from the trance huh. right you've just been in this imaginary circumstance and then you're like oh i was somewhere <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean i'm i'm i think i'm relatively like newer to it i mean you guys have been acting your whole mm-hmm. lives i i started you know about four or five years ago with jack just as a director mm-hmm. and you know a friend of mine encouraged me to do it he's like he's gonna dig you and you're just gonna like open up and i'm like i tried it and i fell in love with it immediately and i fell in love with the the craft and just want to do it forever even without any guarantee of work i just love doing it but it's like you said, I mean, you, you go so into the zone. If, if you allow yourself, you don't mm-hmm. even remember what you do. Right. That's what happens to me a lot. So yeah, I can't that, direct myself. That well, but that's why the, the trust in a director is so essential. And you can see the difference between actors who are in performances with directors they trust and when they don't, because yeah. if they are with someone they trust, they go like, that's why Ang Lee gets those performances is because you can tell his performance trusts him absolutely yeah it's pretty great if i'm ever looking at my phone during this it's we're not because notes. i'm actually looking at my phone i have notes on my phone okay so i'm yeah. just looking we're not like that no, I, I know, I'm, I'm not so gonna boring. la i'm not gonna <laughs> hollywood oh, you like that i'm not gonna invite you here and then like, be... <laughs> oh 
Oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Let me check my, no. So no, please okay. do not. Yeah. Please okay. do not think no, of I that won't. of me. I won't, I won't think anything <laughs> less of you. <laughs> We're not having every question fully memorized. Oh, no, no, no. Well, that's what we like on this show, we like to, you know, we have the stuff we want to talk about, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But we don't, you know, we don't want to script it or anything. We just yeah. want to talk, you know. No, it's really Talk fun. to you. Talk as to as Jack Walter says, it goes where it goes. Yeah. Right. Where exactly. it goes, nobody knows. Jack Walter. And it, he comes up um, a lot um, because, you know, we've had David on, we've had Barry on, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they still work with him. We're both students of his as well. And, and, um, he doesn't talk about a lot of the alumni, but but you come up a lot, and you, you always really admire. Yeah, you. I went on that journey with Marilyn Monroe kind of type character, <laughs> that feeling of being so alive because you're drowning. It mm. is a terrifying state, actually, but also very beautiful because you feel the end is five seconds away, so you I, really feel very very alive. I can see that some of your work i think you know well maximum overdrive your character is sort of a, a drifter there's this uh, aliveness to her and a, there's toughness as well it's a quality of being very present oh and well, possibly thank you. because you don't know where you're gonna end, end up. up yeah yeah i always liked uh, that i always wanted acting to be as close to something real and something about humanness that kept some of that spontaneous quality to the way that we really live. And, and it's so hard to get. It's so hard to get. It's so hard to have it written down. I remember this film, so like from my own childhood, I think I was 12 when it came out. And it was a big deal. I mean, it was like directed by Stephen King. It was, mm -hmm. a, it was a big fan, big film. Estevez was very big at the time. But rewatching it yesterday, it's just so much fun. But I, right. I love that in the midst of being attacked by trucks and, and machine gun terrorists and all that, you find time to fall in love. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, that Stephen is Stephen shocked me because he's such a. He used to start every day on the set with his arms around his family in a huddle right before the filming began. Stephen's delicacy. I mean, I, he'll probably protest. I would say like that, but that makes him afraid. That makes him have to write. It's the fact that he is sensitive, deeply so. As he used to say, it's a necessity. Even on the set, he would get up early in the morning and write. That's how he assuages his fears. It's not an easy thing. It's a thing that he uses to, or did at the time, Yeah, used to uh, escape thoughts that were difficult. Do you think that affected him as a director? How was he as a director? He was, you know, he was wonderful in a way and, and very lost in another because mm. I think it was just a tough film to start with all that. First of all, it was special effects that were being shot real time. So a lot of technical. Yeah, the technical, trucks circling and really difficult within, stuff yeah, while that's just going for him on. to do. To, so being able to think about the story itself was, I, I imagined he thought that that would be where he was, but instead it was just dealing with the technical was constant, constant. So I think it was challenging, but I mean, he was always great. And I really loved him a lot, loved working with him. Some great pictures of us together. You could tell that we had a very nice relationship. That's awesome. Did he direct again after that? No. No. Okay. I think he was. <laughs> that was <laughs> that tells no, you something. Done. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love his cameo in that. Honey, yeah. this machine just called me an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that is so his person. So He's funny. like the, 
nine-year-old who brings like the the frog to the party. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's just that. And with that kind of glee. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He has that. He never lost that part of being, you know, the, the, the mystery magic and grossness of being that age. Sure. And it's just all part of laughing at the absurd, you know, yeah. too. And yeah. I mean, the whole subject matter of the machines, like who owns who, you know, who well, controls don't you think, who. I mean, I think actually the movie deserves a remake because now we're there. That would be a good That's one. A good point, actually. That now we are one. at AI. Now we are at the point where machines really could think for themselves. And I, and I thought it was sort of, and the idea of, you know, Tesla with trucks that drive themselves oh, and the whole yeah. thing, it's, we're, we're, it's arrived. So he's been prescient about a lot. He was talking about, you know, a character he wrote that was really years and years and years ago that was essentially Trump that he thought was right. sort of an impossibility. But I forget what the book is, but it was hmm. really the same yeah. person. Really? Wow. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of absurdly uh, sort of bizarre, funny, um, well, I wouldn't say funny, but <laughs> in this case, it's funny. Uh, Buckaroo Bonsai. Yes. I'm a huge fan. How did that uh, come about for you? I don't remember. I was trying to think of it. I don't remember the audition exactly. I do remember the director and I liked each other a lot. It was my first job in Los Angeles. And the big thing that I remember is I couldn't find the set. <laughs> I was driving. It was like down these windy, I was completely, and so I arrived. It was the first time I've ever re- arrived at a set late and everybody was freaked out. So that was my first job my in first, LA. Yeah, can you imagine from New York where I didn't drive at all? I'm like, in right. the windy streets and trying to, I, I just couldn't do it. It was really, I needed a driver, somebody. And of course yeah. there's no cell phones. So I remember I had those big, big fat maps, you know, where you had, like I'd pull over in tears. Yeah. Trying yeah. to like locate mm-hmm. the. I yeah. I still know. have one in my car just in case. <laughs> was it a yeah, Thomas no. guide? Yeah. Thomas guide. Yeah, one it, was of those, yeah. it was a nightmare because you'd have to like get your fingers working and down. Yeah. Page, what axis am I on? What <laughs> latitude or what, you know. When I hit the set, everybody was in high alert. It was like, oh my God, the actress not found. So, and then the first person to greet me though was Jeff Goldblum. who was like, come into my trailer, said the spider to the fly. But fortunately I was too busy. Well, yeah. Or under, yeah. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> well, you know, there were supposed to be seven movies. Yes, I did hear about that. That's one of those movies that got so tied up in like, who owns what or who's going to do that. It's just like, I've heard, I've heard rumors about something happening, but I think it's like pretty tied up. Like it's almost impossible yeah, I don't to know. do I mean, I think like, there were seven scripts. So Mrs. Johnson, my character was sort of, my big movie was the next one when my husband returned. Wow. Oh my God. Right. Oh, so I, I would just... have loved to have seen that. <laughs> That was the oh, whole we big do thing, it. is it? <laughs> Someone's got to do it. I got to do it. That. Yeah. I know. It, it was, um, oh, again, it was way before its time, right? That was just yeah. sort of like really out of the whole Japanese aspect. All of it was just sort of whacked out. And the director was a real visionary and he had such a bad, he had the number one worst first day mm. 
And then he joked, do you, do you, did you hear about I'm that? I've not heard about his oh, first day. Oh, God, it was so horrible. The first day they shot the, there were a whole, a shot with like 20 helicopters, just one of the most expensive shots, certainly the most expensive shot in the movie. And the cinematographer who was really well-known, really well-regarded, all of the cameras were, all the film was black. I don't know what it was. I don't know how, how nobody could figure out how this vast mistake was made, but it meant that he lost the cinematographer. Boom. And was fired. That's it. That's wow. And then, yeah, it was just one terrible, terrible day. And, and I think definitely, you know, cast a Paul for him, especially because yeah. he lost sort of the person who he was making the vision. Yeah, it was that's, weirdest. That's, that's like a bad that's dream. Tough. It was. It was yeah. almost it was impossible. Yeah. yeah. Fred J. Camp. He only did Patton. That's what I'm saying. I mean, wow. it was like it's awesome. Papillon. Awesome, awesome DP. Awesome DP. There was just awesome no possibility that this happened, but it did. Oh, wow. That's 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 rough. Yeah. What I love about it is it's ima the imagination, the, mm -hmm. you know, all the uh, being ahead of its time in that yeah. way. Um, the music, everything. And I can imagine how when you have that big of a vision and you're really out to create something great and new and funny, you know, you have such a huge vision for it. It can be, uh, I could have been a bit discouraging. Yeah. Well, he but, was such a, he's such a great yeah. mind and such yeah. a great director. So I'm glad it happened. And, uh, <laughs> you know, well, that was the first thing when I saw it, wherever you go, there you are, Yeah. you know, that even as a kid that just made such a big impact on me. So, yeah. Well, wherever there. you go. There you are. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> I later realized that's a book uh, that I have that I read. Oh, really? Uh, it's a, yeah. Um, the, uh, John Cabot Zinn wrote huh. a book called Wherever You Go, There You Are. And, you know, it's like deals. It's sort of like a Zen based, um, but, right. you know, made a lot of sense yeah. for that, yeah. for the film. When the director has genuine empathy and compassion for his characters, you see it. Yeah. I mean, like Moonlight is probably the last thing I saw that I really felt that. I just love that movie. See, it gave me goosebumps yeah. <laughs> to think about. I just love that movie for for all of that connectedness. Yes. I mean, talk about actors who are just in the palm of their director's hands. They just went to very soft and vulnerable places that we haven't seen men especially right. go. Yeah, especially Mahershala, yeah. I thought. Dude, what do you think of him? Well, what can you think of him? He's <laughs> he's brilliant. The only thing is, is that his performance is so great in Moonlight. I I don't like to see him in other places. Yeah. It's it's a little bad. It's like I, I'm saying, oh, he's really great in this. But, so good. But I liked him in Moonlight more. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. so good. He can't do anything. Else. <laughs> that's, that's that's almost. I, I wonder if that should be a milestone for an actor. You're so good in one part that you completely destroy any possibility of you, doing anything. You break the mold. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. What's so great about Moonlight is that it's a it's a human story where it's just showing a, a life, and not in a not in a sentimental way, but in a very real way and a very relatable way for so many people. 
And I think a film that you were in that I that I feel the exact same way about is uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, yeah. of course. And I the mean, director, I felt the same thing about. Like, you know, Lhasa is an amazing director. Yeah. And, and especially, especially that movie, there was a battle that went on in that movie between Johnny and Lhasa. Really? Yeah. It was a really big battle and um, understandable from both parts. Johnny wanted to do, he likes that sort of silent character. He wanted to be sort of loose and fast and comical. Mm-hmm. And Lhasa wanted him to play it real. In a weird way, the, the amalgam is really interesting, I think. Um, kind of their battle makes his character work. But it was it was um, it was tough because Lhasa really held his own, and it wasn't. And Johnny held held his own. So, <laughs> so there was some. And then there was Sven Nyqvist, who was the cinematographer, greatest yeah. in the world. And I just loved uh, being on a set with that man. Was probably the highlight of my life. Really? Yeah. yeah you'd walk to the set, and I always went early. Because you look in the set and it would be a Vermeer, right? It would be just a perfect painting of light before anyone entered it. And he's also a very jolly person. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. And I mean, it, you feel, it feels like you all actually live in that house. Yeah. You know? yeah. And the way you, the way you interacted with each other and, and the way you take care of each other, like the way you take care of your mother, there's a scene where you hold a blanket Mm-hmm. over you know she's on the couch well, she it's inspired, just so touching she inspired that you know she had never acted and because I played kind of her because her children were around who played my role the caretaker role so they had she really couldn't walk so they had to wheel her everywhere and so to be that person she just had a monstrous personality and a super loving personality and you could just for her big and that was a vi- really big surprise you know but also she relied on me to show her how to get to her emotions I was in a certain way helping her get to when she ever she had to cry or whenever and um, so we had a big trust between us that was built in and then there was Leo who was just mind-blowing that performance is mind-blowing as an actor I actually don't understand I, I will openly admit i have no idea how he did that leo is a great at the i mean i'm talking about him like he's a kid because that's when we were hanging out but he's a great mimic and he hung out with all all these kids that were exactly his character there was a time you remember in the movie everyone's jumping on the trampoline for his birthday well all those kids were the kids from this school where he hung out with them. Oh, you know, they were, they were the kids. And who, he just wow. absorbed all of their behaviors and mannerisms. And but yeah. then he brings on the on the deeper level this other level of love and connection that's a I mean, that was such a sophisticated performance. Yeah. yeah. Especially for someone that age. There's it's a, just yeah. amazing. There's no self consciousness in doing it. And no. that's where right. character always uh there's a pitfall there with character because you you can mimic and you can do all that Mm -hmm. but there's always the danger of there being a a, just a hint of self-consciousness and and the acting of it and there's none none of that none in Mm -hmm. his performance no and there really there wasn't like 
in every take, there really wasn't a false note in him. He really, he landed with his whole soul into that part. It was amazing to witness and even more amazing on film. Yeah. Well, I can see, I mean, I think you all brought a lot of soul to that, mm -hmm. to all your performances. And there was a moment that I'm so glad was caught on film. And that was where Johnny comes back to beg forgiveness of Amy, right? Mm. I was mad. I was really mad at him. And I could feel him walking up behind me. And I was really, I knew, you know, I was going to give him what I just had complete control of my anger. And then I turn and I look at him in the eyes and everything in him was so there and so apologetic that I melted. It was instant. It was whatever I was going to do with that anger. It was gone. Mm. And that is just a testament to what he can do. I mean, he, he really has a, a very great talent. There's such a vulnerability in his yeah. eyes the whole time, regardless of what he wanted to do or what he's trying to do. You know, the, he had that. You know, yeah, force, that so. was, it was really, it was a lovely acting moment because it was there. Yeah. Right. It was not, there was nobody pretending he got me. He won. I love that. I love that it exists. And I, I mean, I was very moved by what you did in that scene because I felt that you're performing in, in the whole film. You have a very, you, it's a very giving performance. You can sense, and it's directorial to say, but you want your partner to do well. Right. That's what I felt watching it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, that's her, the Amy's of the world. I really have a lot of respect for them. I mean, they, they suffer. They suffer because they are there right. and they fill in all the gaps and they keep everybody going and they, they give up their dreams and they, you know, all of the, what it takes to be that person is, you could say there's an edge of masochism in it, or you could say whatever you could be derisive about it. But at the same time, it takes enormous amount of love, right? Right. She's the glue. There was another scene too I wanted to point out that the one you mentioned, as well as the moment you, you, your mom, played by Darlene Cates, you're walking her out mm -hmm. of the jail. Right. And everyone is, all the onlookers are sort of gawking and you play it completely quiet. I don't even think you speak. No. In it. The, the love you have for your mom. And we've all been in that, that situation, mm -hmm. I think, when we're sort of feeling for someone, you know, watching it, I was like, so many actors would have overplayed it. So many actors would have felt like, you know, they need to say something or... Mm -hmm. And it's just through the expression on your face, you see how much you love your mom. Yeah. yeah. And that you're helpless. Yeah, exactly. That you're helpless. You can't stop anything. You can't prevent anything. You can't, you just have to, as I say, the Amy's of the world muscle through her death. That was really hard. I, I didn't have to work to cry at all because I could feel her, Amy, you know, if you've built your life around protecting someone, being there, everything, her loss to me felt like the biggest. At what point in the filming did you, did you do that scene? Right at the, I think we did the film pretty much in chronological order. Wow. And then, you know, the house, the interior of the house was different than the exterior. 
the exterior of the house, the amazing thing, these art directors, they're just out of this world. I mean, they, they found a house that had been fully twisted by a tornado and they untwisted it. Oh, no way. So that house that you look at, that great house, that's been, it's completely nothing in the inside. They've untwisted the frame. So all of it just had that beautiful look to it. And, and then there's only one opportunity to burn it down. We had grown very fond of it. You know, it was really, and scary because you realize this is it, man. (laughs) You have one, one opportunity to get these shots or nothing. Yeah. I did come home from that movie wanting to have a family to come home to. And then shortly after that, I met my husband. And so I continued. I did a few more things, you know, I did Devil's Advocate and Polly and, you know, a few more performances. And, but I had twins. So the twins are very grounding. <laughs> yes. <I'll bet. laughs> and uh, even though everyone said it was impossible, like, you've got to be kidding. I decided to make this shift to being a writer. And the very first project I did, not not him as director, but as producer, I did for Martin Scorsese. So I kind of went from zero to 100 as a writer. Which one was that? It's actually a film that is looking to be made now and it's called Mississippi Mud because it got buried in the whole Miramax of it all. Oh, sure. And then an investor went recently in and pulled it out, which was sort of never done. So they're looking for the director now. Wow. And that's about the Dixie Mafia. That's where I got my reputation for writing. Oh. Hard and tough. Nice. (laughs) So do you think it's going to get made? Yes, I do. That's awesome. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. That's, yeah, that's awesome. I also have another film that's getting made this January, in the coming January, about the Holocaust, just to join oh, wow. a happy... Yeah. What's, what's that <laughs> What's that one called? Is there a title? It's called The Ninth Fortress, okay. and it is the most amazing, badass escape story that anyone could be handled. I mean, it is just... Everything I've ever wanted to write about soul and resistance and redefines, in my mind, masculinity. I I like the character that I wrote about. I just looked at a lot of male characters. I've fallen in love with a lot of male characters and he just took the cake. Can I ask how being an actor affected how you are as a writer, craft-wise? It's everything. Yeah. Because I am, I mean, I think very few people when they see a movie realize that the writer is every character. You're the one falling in love. You're the one killing people off. You're the, you're, and, and in a way you have to get in all of those states of mind. If I'd never acted, I just don't think there's any way I could do it. I mean, conversely, I think like acting, like learning acting and learning the craft has helped like my writing enormously. Yeah. I did it kind of the reverse of how, right. you, how you've done it. But in terms of stripping things down to their essence, and, and learning how to do that. And even like using some of the relationship exercise techniques we did yeah, in class, yeah, yeah. you know, it was like, fuck the plot. Don't talk about the plot. Right. And it gets in. Being a screenwriter is very much like being an architect. You build a structure and if the structure is impeccable, the dialogue can be almost anything. I like that. Right. right? That yeah. you have so much more freedom. Yeah. You're not so dependent on the, the actor kind of pulling the story along. Yeah. Right. So, Where's this going to go? Kind of. Uh, yeah, exactly. I put, so I spend a lot of time on the undergirding and then I bury it. 
like, so that it's hard to see. But that's my favorite part of, of writing is the research. I love, there's a film I wrote about iron workers, you know, and, and this is me. I'm thinking, I got to research these guys, right? I have to go. So I go to this place where I know there's a building being constructed and I go get in line at five o'clock in the morning with the iron workers. And I'm saying, who can I talk to? And who can I, da, da. and pretty soon I'm meeting, you know, all these guys and um, being taken up on the building and walking the beams with them. And, you know, that, that's what I like. I like to kind of apply what I know as an actor just to get to, you know, I'm not going to pick it up from a book. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're going to go and... <laughs> I want to hear those voices. I want to... And what Ironworkers really think that stunned me about them, one of my favorite characters to write about, is that guys who risk, and, and women, who risk their life daily because they can so easily die. There's just a million ways for those Ironworkers to die. They don't have secrets. They'll tell you when they wanted to shit their... They'll tell you when they cried. They'll tell you... All of their terrible behavior, they'll tell you everything because there's just no reason, right? They're not hiding anything. They're not anticipating this life that goes on forever. It's just, this is who I am. And it's sort of a, a beautiful thing. I think pirates, all kinds of folk had it, but there are right. current pirates. So is the one you're talking about Quicksilver? I saw the, I was looking at the projects oh. you have in development. Okay. Now Quicksilver is a big, I have like two minds as a writer. One, I do huge fantasy sci-fi yeah. projects. That's a big fantasy sci-fi. That one is called Fear of Heights. And Quicksilver is, yeah, Quicksilver is a really super big, takes place in, in England, but it's all about, it's all sci-fi. Not a, I originally, I thought it was like a remake of the Kevin Bacon movie where he's on the bike. No. Oh. no. <laughs> it's like, why That's are they right. doing that? No, no. no we're remaking Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> yes. That's right, we are. We need to remake yeah. that movie. It's I think happen. it's got its day. Yeah. I think he met, how many years? That's a lot of years to have envisioned that future. And then you think about machines being able to hack themselves. Right. I mean, how clever can they get? Yeah. So then you just got danger all over the place. He's, the place. he's prophetic, that Stephen he King. Is. He is. It pays to be afraid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as you can write really well. About, you know, exactly. That also helps. Yeah. There is another Laura Harrington. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe you're miscredited on IMDb for two things. No, there is a novelist, Laura Harrington. No. Because... There's a screenwriter. There's a writer on the East Coast, WGAE. It, oh. the the um the east coast named laura harrington oh this is great so a lot yes. of people will say oh i did one of your monologues and i say no you didn't, <laughs> nope, you didn't, didn't do, do one of one. my monologues sorry Th this is it says there was an episode of biography on Annie. yeah that's the other Karen laura Har that's Virgin the other that's, that's the other, other that's laura on, harrington uh, see i have a doppelganger see, yes and there's and she's never on your her. imdb <laughs> I know. See, get she's off. She's getting credit for your... For <laughs> get your, off. Or she's not getting your, credit for her or, Yeah, or whoever. Well, you're getting credit for her. I'm like riding on her little wave. <laughs> no. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So that's not... Cool. That's right. not... So that's, that's not, not me. It turns out... Got it. 
I know. I learned there are a lot of Laura Harrington's when I tried to get my Gmail, All right, my then. Gmail, and I put my name, and then I had like the number of numbers that had to come after me. I was like, oh God, there are a lot of us out there. Yeah. Yeah. So hello, a shout out to all the other Laura Harrington's. Yeah, definitely. Hello, all the Laura Harrington's of the world. Tune in to Roll Call. Um, exactly. There's a writing credit on here from 1986. No, no, this is no. no. This it. is that's okay. the other. She's secrets. A, no, two secret. things from night. Yes, the the secret is something that I acted in called a Vietnam War story, but I didn't. Oh, the secret. Yes, I saw it. Well, yeah, that's that was really a great experience with Leslie Linka Gladder, her hmm. first directing job, and yeah. uh, it was cool because. I, I was, um, the, the nurse who was having severe PTSD already kind of before that was defined, just having so, a really, really, really hard time with my patients, with everything, you know, I was like the expert and, but just at my time to leave and this other nurse comes in to replace me. And so I was full of rage and horrible things to say and all, and all the Vietnam vets that were on the set Whenever I stopped performing, they would clap. Wow. Because I got their feeling, like this rage, this uncontrollable helplessness, this fury. And then as a gift, they loved my performance so much that they all put in money to give me this helicopter ride that was given by one of the Vietnam vets. It was the scariest. <laughs> it was the scariest. Thing. We went through the buildings downtown, like oh, wow. through the building. He took me, yeah. Downtown like on, LA? Downtown LA, wow. but not above. Through them, like they so we were going past people's windows and stuff. And then he took me out, like, like laying sideways in the waves. It was the craziest. That's was, insane. It's it was awesome. insane. It was awesome. But it was also insane. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's it's not just the soldiers that experience PTSD. Yeah. It's everybody who's there. I know? think the nurses, and, you know, those girls were twenty they were twenty, twenty-one. They go in and they deal with one mutilated body after yeah. another, day in, day out, unable to save so many people, you know, just the horror. In fact, I think their PTSD, which I don't think has been heavily discussed or nor is discussed about any war. In some of your other, especially TV work that you've done, I saw the episodes of Quantum Leap mm -hmm. that you were on. Right. Well, you played a woman who's living in the 60s and she has a husband. And I think in one episode, things were pretty good. The other episode, he's now cheating on right. you. In the episode, the, the, they give this reason that I think... The main lead character, Sam, on that show, he says over a narration, you know, women's lib had hit the suburbs. <laughs> and so now your character's serving TV dinners instead right. of cooking. Then you don't want to, it's insinuated that she is, she doesn't want to play by the rules anymore. You right. know, and then the, you get, uh, your, it's right to be cheated on. Right. right. It was the 80s. You know, <laughs> it was an ugly time. It was a very ugly time to be female. I, I realized that from all, I remember all the auditions, you know, that you'd go on and you think, oh no. I mean, at the time, and at the time it was not as vivid as it is now, but 
it would be like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go and even in on this. So we were constantly right. refusing things because it was just so low. Yeah. yeah. Like how low can you go was the eighties for female characters. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, even, sure. you know, maximum overdrive, the character who's kind of, he's being real, uh, gross with you in the car. Like, uh, I guess he picked you up hitchhiking right. and he's like, you know, he's, yeah, he's just being super creepy. And, uh, and, and then you get to the bus stop and one of the trucks is about to run him over and you're like, oh, okay, he's going to get, he's creepy guy. Mm -hmm. He's going to get killed by, and he gets saved somehow. <laughs> and then there's this whole thing and it's like, why are we saving these characters? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't, can't they, they just... We're not be, saving them anymore. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> there are certain things that have been that have been really nice to see change over time. It's just wonderful to hear. It's just wonderful what opening up the world of stories has done. Just gay characters and female characters and stories we haven't seen. And it, it just feels like things are cool. Like I really, yeah. I'm really enjoying what's happening and i just think what a time to be an actor or an actress which didn't used to be the case that was the other thing it was just always all men and one female that was also the 80s you'd like there'd be 29 roles for a man men although i the ninth fortress is like that it's all men because it's a prison well in that case yeah you know it's, it's the <laughs> uh, location it's the is, is everything there yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, before we finish, I, I do want to circle back to Jack a little bit and, and okay. the work you did, uh, if that's cool. No, that's fine. Um, I just want to hear your stories because like, he, he's come, become someone very dear to us and, mm -hmm. and we've learned so much from him. And you kind of can't, I, I sort of became aware of your work with him. In the, there's a documentary that was done. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember this, but uh, probably 1982 or three and Dustin Hoffman comes to class. Right. And I, I can't really describe what I'm seeing in this video because it's almost like everyone, like the students is about 20 of you. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like a collective sense memory. It's not like in the chair, the way we do it. Right. When we do it. We, everyone sits in the chair, you relax, and then we just do whatever we've been assigned. This is something deeper. And you, you are so in it. Like you come up to that Jack. That would be me. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, I was always the most intense. That was my gig. It was pretty intense. I was like, wow, I'm watching and Jack's like... Well, just, I mean, at that point, acting was... I mean, I wasn't an actress, a sometimes actress. That's That was my vocation. That was my dedication. That was like... I was like a priestly actress, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I was going to do it, and I was going to do it all the way in the most intense way possible, et cetera. So that class was... I don't... I can't remember. I guess it was Thea Barry. I... I I'm trying to figure out how I ended up going to that class because I studied with Janet. I mean, I studied with different people, but um, that class just took me on. I loved returning, you know, getting into these states where you're really exploring a character for a very long time and all of these different kinds of improvisations. And, and obviously for me, that was like heaven. I was looking, working on after the fall, right? I, so I only wish that I'd done the performance. You know, I think that was a big miss because I think I had it. I think I had discovered something really powerful in that. 
since that's my favorite thing to do is enter imaginary circumstances and for great lengths of time, (laughs) I was really happy to be there. And I really loved the way he led the discussion after those scenes. I just, I remember those being very special, his way of observing and kind of preserving the, the work that actors had done. Like, I I don't know, it's it's a hard game, Mm -hmm. that being an instructor of acting. No doubt. And uh, I thought he did a good, you know, a great job with it. And then I can't remember, I don't know how life takes you. I don't know when I stopped going, but it was probably because I went off to do something and then, yeah. and then came back and didn't find my way back to the class. But He's still around. I know, still I'm going to come. <laughs> so I just, what I need is someone to like call me an hour before and say, you're getting in the car. That'll be me. Okay, yeah. you do that, and I will come. It, it's really it. a matter He's of that it. because I'm the kind of person, especially when you're writing. You know, it's like you're writing, and then it's like, oh, I was going to go somewhere at seven, and then oh, it's nine. You're right, yeah. you just get yeah. lost yeah. in time. It's yeah. very hard to be. Whereas when I was acting, I was everywhere. Right. He is. He is 93 and still has the highest energy. I just energy. think that is just incredible. <laughs> yeah. But isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful. I mean, it's like passion. I think that's that's the key all of it he's so in love with what he's doing yeah but it's also i've met more and more people in their 90s who are whippersnappers Mm. i don't know when that happened used to be people got to be 75 and it was goodbye yeah right or they were just you know had not you know very little to say or it just doesn't seem to be going on anymore no no i've seen it too like we had lq jones i don't know if you know who that is but he was on the on the show and i think lq is 91 Wow. Or 92. And we wrap up. He's like, he's like, you can give me a ride or I can walk. I'm like, you can walk and you're not walking well, and, home. <laughs> and that's why. And that's why yeah. he's 91. I think it takes that. Right. Yeah. It takes a certain, I think it takes a certain love to be, you know, a love of life to be in it. Or else I think, you know, you just get checked out. This seems to be my moment where I'm actually going to get things with my name on them. That's fantastic. It, all, it also yeah. seems like you're not at risk, like a lot of writers are, of being pigeonholed into one genre because you're writing across many. I am not pigeonholable because it's just, <laughs> I, we, people always say, you know, do you think, you know, whenever I'm approaching a project or when I ever go in to talk about selling one, everyone's saying, well, well you know, we, how do you come up with these ideas? And I say, I have to bat them away. <laughs> I'm not the person who's struggling. I'm the person who's like, overwhelmed. I have a big imagination. And that was running around in that woods in Ann Arbor imagining thing, um, which is the other thing people should leave their kids to imagine. A lot of big yeah. things are happening. That's yeah. a beautiful sentiment to end on actually. Is there anything right. you want to plug or, or talk about? No, it's been really nice being here. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of good for me because I'm, I don't get to go out and chitty chat about my especially about my acting career and i do miss it that's one of the reasons why i would i'd love to come and and try it on again actually that would be awesome yeah be great be really cool we'd love to have you there and we've loved having you here thank you so much thank you thank you you made it very easy i was scared (laughs) it turned out yeah well thank you (laughs) 